0: are worlds between our own, and from these worlds, there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments, scrawled in hidden places, and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination.
1: I'm Sharkchild and this is The Dark Verse. Short stories of occult, metaphysical, and fantastical horror that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. When it comes to writing, I would say that I am both blessed and cursed. Blessed because I'm somewhat decent at it and I think I have a natural talent for it. I've put a lot of years into it and, you know, I guess I'm okay at it. And then the cursed part being that I am so freaking slow at writing, I'm so horribly slow, I know people have probably heard me say this before, but I am, it just takes me forever and ever to write a story, and uh, that's why, you know, some of my stories are longer, sometimes not, because uh, just, that's just the flow of my work, and it can take me forever just to write one paragraph and then I'm going back into my writing that I've previously done and and spending hours just tweaking it to, to be the way I need it to be. Um, when it comes to having a good day writing, I would say I've never had a good day where I was just pumping things out. So I think that's interesting to hear, um, especially coming from someone who writes a lot, but I've I think I'm kind of alone in this arena because I I see all these writers that are writing 2,000 words a day or more, you know, somewhere around that, and I'm just like, freaking A, I can't even write like 200 words a day sometimes, it just takes that much mental um, exhaustion, it's not exhaustion, I say exertion from me to get the product that I have with my stories, but I like doing it. It's my passion. I love writing horror. I love writing stories. I love writing in general. And so I'll keep doing it. But just wanted to share that with you. Before we jump into this episode's story, if you could rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast, that would be awesome. If you could share it with people you think would enjoy it, that'd be great. I also have a Patreon for this podcast at patreon.com slash thedarkverse if you are uh, interested in helping me out a little bit more. Um, with that said, let's get right into the Dark Verse episode 114, and it is entitled, The Quantum Monolith.
0: A beam of light flashed across my eyes. The light struck me like a prod from an unseen salesman attempting to garner attention. I was intrigued by the signal and honed in on its location. The beacon came from the back of the antique shop I was wandering through with my mother. I left her side and went towards it. What I found was a twirling black gemstone that had reflected light from the shop's fluorescent fixtures. The stone was long and slender, having one end set in a silver cap from which a silver chain was used to hang it and the other end split into shoots, fragments of stone that jutted forth while keeping in unison like a squid's tentacles after a propelling lunge. The relic was oddly placed. There were no other items hanging from the ceiling, and its location appeared random. I stood beneath the ornament and stared directly up at it as it twirled around one way and then the other catching gusts of heated air that drafted down from the ceiling vents. Outside, rain and thunder consumed the city. There was a sudden strike of lightning, and the light flashed through the store against the odd stone. The rock reflected the light and glinted momentarily. A black spot flickered in my vision just beneath the trinket. I blinked a couple times, and then the spot vanished. For several days I thought nothing of the bizarre gemstone and its peculiar radiation, but at some point between that moment and the present a minuscule apparition appeared within my vision. It was a dark speck that lingered in my sight no matter where I looked, but it was not an eye floater caused by an irregularity of the vitreous gel, or any kind of macular dysfunction or degeneration. The ophthalmologist I visited could neither identify the cause nor offer a remedy. I knew what the origin was, offering my explanation of the gemstone's strange emanation, but it was dismissed as drivel. It did not help that my opinion came from the lips of a seven-year-old. The complexity of the situation was much more profound and disturbing than simply an artifact abstractly lingering within the confines of my sight. It was not a thing that I saw. It was a presence. It was sentient and mobile, and while it plagued my vision, it was limited to a set of rules. Whenever I would shift my sight to a location that would exclude it, it would repopulate in my new peripheral instantly. Distance was irrelevant. If I walked backwards away from it, maintaining the same arena of sight, it would remain in control of its position. Only when removing it from my frame of vision did it reappear, transposed. Blinking did not disrupt it, but when I closed my eyes for longer than a few moments, it appeared beneath an eyelid, unnoticeable except for an unnerving sense of movement. Lastly... It could not touch or affect me, physically. My initial experience with investigating the apparition's appearance led me to name it The Shifter. Since the specter was always present in my range of visibility, there was no avoiding a magnification of its rematerialization upon limiting the scope of my vision. The closer I walked towards a wall, the more restricted I was on where it could be, And if I walked all the way up to that wall, or placed my face close to any surface, that would trap the shifter in this framing, providing me an up-close inspection. Upon carrying out this exercise for the first time, I observed something I wished to never see again. I saw a hovering, greenish-black figure that continuously and unsuccessfully lunged towards me with intentions I dared not understand. I saw a face with cavernous eyes and a gaping mouth that screamed in an audible yet discernibly horrible death-nearing scream. I saw spectral insect-like multitudes that flew around and landed on it, blending in unending oscillations that masked the full details of the shifter's features, physique, and clothing, if any. Panic set in, and, like a victim of claustrophobia locked in a closet, I violently tried to part ways with the apparition, flinging my head this way and that, closing my eyes and slapping my eyelids with my hands. But there was nothing I could do to remove it. With the knowledge of its appearance and actions, the entity's curse on me was full tilt. No matter how small or how far away, I knew it was there. Lunging and screaming towards me over and over and over. The only relief in this situation was acknowledging that the shifter was as trapped as I. It, too, was a slave of our yoking. I controlled when it would be drawn to me, and I decided when it would be allowed to keep its position. I could adapt, although minimally, my life to its existence while it was constrained by the rules of its haunting. But this control only lasted for a short while, for this twisted linkage had dominance that went both ways. My reign was limited to the course of consciousness. During sleep, the circumstances grew far grimmer. From within an eyelid, it would imprint itself within me, into my dreams and into my mind, From staring at this apparition so long, its image was left as a simulacrum in my brain, lingering and growing stronger. Night after night after night, it was as if it was able to burrow a hole further and further inside my head. As greater time went by, and I entered my teenage years, the shifter's image had continued to stain my mind to a dreadful degree. The residue of its persistent existence became so overwhelming that I required special auditory receptors to aid in channeling sound into thought. I had to speak my thoughts and hear them in order to process them. Without sound, I was unable to cope with making simple decisions. The mental noise of the specter was so harsh that it dissipated my stream of consciousness. School was so unfairly difficult that I had to have a personal tutor at home, and a social life was unattainable. Living was a burden, and it was only getting worse. I was faced with making the last known decision left for an attempt at deliverance, the deadening of the eyes. I sorrowfully sided for it, but my parents rejected the idea. They were all too hopeful that some miraculous treatment would come along. I knew there would never be one, and they did not know the scope of terror and aversion and chaos I faced on a daily and nightly basis. I would have located a doctor that would have performed the operation, but the cerebral demand of such a task was too steep. I had to do it myself, and so I did. I gouged out my eyes and removed my eyelids I could allow no options for the shifter to transport to. Ironically, in the end, the vicious operation was unsuccessful in ridding myself of the shifter. Even with my sight and eyelids removed, there was one place left for the shifter to go where it could still be seen. My mind. Where before my vision was able to act as a prison and resist the apparition's full penetration, now it could not. Where before the apparition was only a projection, an unending echo, now its presence inside me was absolute. My eyes were only conduits, receptors of information, but my mind was the canvas, and the shifter painted itself upon it. Amidst blood seeping from my empty eye sockets, the shifter came for me in the middle of consciousness with its frightening lunges. In its new existence, it was a giant. It towered over me and outmaneuvered me even in the domains of my own imaginings. When it cornered me with its ethereal insect-like companions pinning me to a wall, it bent down and put its mouth to my theoretical ear and whispered these words. Oh, how I have longed for you. Finally, I am able to be the rock and foundation for your weary soul. Come, rest your head, rest your eyes, rest your mind. Lie down and let all of your burdens fade away. I will take you from this place and bring you to the greater joys of existence. Leave this world behind and join me in mine. My consciousness slipped away from my control. The landscape of my mind's eye turned completely white. Then the shifter grabbed me, bringing me in close. We blended and morphed into a massive version of the black gemstone. Our weight brought us down into the white, implanting us there. All went quiet and still, and I was content.
1: That concludes episode 114 of The Dark Verse. You can listen to and or download all of the past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, several other sites and apps, and of course on thedarkverse.com. Again, if you have a second, some extra time, go ahead and give this podcast a rating on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next story. All stories on the dark verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without his written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.